Hello, my name is Ryan Jump, and thank you for joining us on Jump on Movies. We are on podcast number 11, and we are reviewing Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. And I have with me, joining on this venture, is my friend Andrew from work. Say hello, Andrew. Hello there. So, Andrew was, was gracious enough to grace us with his presence after... A uh, little hiatus. I did a solo movie with Podcast 10, but now we're doing a collaboration. And um, this is part two of at least nine. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll also do uh, um, Rogue, One, Rogue One or or Solo or something. But at least we're going to do these nine. So thank you again, Andrew, for joining us. So... Um, this movie, Attack of the Clones, is a 2002 American epic space opera film directed by George Lucas and is the second installment of the Star Wars prequel trilogy. And this film stars Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Hayden Christensen, Ian McDermott, Samuel L. Jackson, Christopher Lee, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, and Frank Oz. And uh, Christopher Lee is one of the new additions to the cast and uh, you might remember him from the lord of the rings movies since he played who do you remember andrew which actor uh christopher lee christopher lee yeah he was in the lord of the rings he was uh saruman the, uh the white or wise i can't remember which one yeah it was. i think the white yeah so and he has a lot uh a pretty big history in a lot of english films having played dracula in the past oh wow very interesting. Very good. So, um, and we're going to do things a little bit different from our last podcast. Kind of just, um, just do kind of a, like a quick, short um, summary of the plot instead of kind of going detail by detail. So, uh, Andrew, if you, you've seen this movie, um, you told me at least a thousand times, or maybe it's been 3,000 times. All right. So, so here's where I hijack the podcast. Yeah. So what happens? Here we go. So the movie starts with Anakin and Obi-Wan coming back from some Jedi mission. They haven't seen Padme in at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. Anakin's pretty excited to see her again until Jango Fett tries to carry out a assassination on Padme via Zam Wessel. Okay. This assassination attempt, uh, it fails. So... A lot of the movie is them is a split between Obi Wan and Anakin trying to find and stop the assassin in their own way. Anakin protecting Padme from the assassin, while Obi Wan more goes for and tries to uncover who it is. This leads him to this very mysterious planet called Camino, which, while he was trying to find it, discovered that it had been taken off all the charts by somebody. When he comes to Kamino, he discovers that a rogue Jedi named Sifo-Dyas has commissioned a clone army for the Republic. All of these clones are modeled after a bounty hunter named Jango Fett. Now, is Jango Fett related to Boba Fett? Absolutely. Okay, because it's not you know, that that last name is some familiar. You know, um, you might recognize that name from uh, Return of the Jedi, where there was a bounty hunter named Boba Fett. So is Jenga his father, Jango? 
for all intents and purposes, yes. Uh, Boba's a clone. But, yeah, a lot of us pretty much accept that he's the father. But he's actually a clone, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Very interesting. So, um, and then uh, this movie, um, it made, uh, one last moment, I do, I do want to say that it was very successful in theaters. It made $653 million worldwide. Um, but it wasn't the highest grossing movie of that year, only was the fourth highest grossing of that year. Um, oh, you're probably anything more of the plot, like what happens uh, afterwards? So, Obi Wan uh, figures that Jango Fett is either the assassin or he can take, uh, take Jango to whoever hired him. So, when he goes to confront him, Django gives him the slip and runs to Geonosis. There, Obi-Wan discovers that a, a big enemy, the Separatist army, is there, uh, as well as the whole entire council. He discovers that the head of the Separatists, Count Dooku, is the one who carried out the hit on Padme. I mean, commission gave yes. the hit, however I say it. Yeah. Um, we understand. <laughs> uh. Uh, He's unfortunately captured, but before he's captured, he's able to send out a distress signal so that Anakin and Padme uh, hear it and decide to go after him. Mace Windu and the other Jedi decide to do the same. There's a big uh, Jedi droid big battle on Geonosis when they attempt to rescue him. It's pretty cool. It is. Um Jango Fett gets decapitated by Mace Windu and Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. As all the droids and Jedi run off into the sunset, we see Boba Fett with the empty helmet, foreshadowing who he will become. Mm. Yes. While the battles are going, we see that uh, Count Dooku is with the Council, talking about this clone army that has seemingly come out of nowhere. And what exactly the battle strategy is. Yeah. We then return to the battle where we see in all its full scope the uh, the Clone Wars. Yeah. We, uh, when we cut back to Count Dooku again, we see that the Geonosians give him the blueprints for the Death Star that they made. Right. I did see that. I wondered if that's what that was. You know, They wouldn't say what it was, but you see the picture and I'm like, that looks like the Death Star. <laughs> he then tells this uh, Geonosian Poggle the Lesser that he needs to go to Coruscant right away to give these blueprints to his master. Mm. Uh, as he tries to escape off-world from Geonosis, Obi-Wan and Anakin quickly chase after him. Right. They meet up with him in a hangar where they're quickly, uh, where they're quickly done in by Count Dooku. Yeah. I was about to say dispatched. Yeah, great. Um, Sorry. All seems lost, but then, he, but then Yoda. I almost said you do. <laughs> Yoda uh, proves to be too much for him. Dooku yeah. then brings down a pillar upon uh, Obi Wan and Anakin, forcing Yoda ma- to make a decision between saving the two Jedi or capturing the bad guy. Yeah. And he chooses to save the good guys. Right. Yeah. This unfortunately enables the Clone Wars further. Right. I, this isn't necessarily part of the plot, but I still really like the this decision as far as just it's bad or worse bad as far yeah. as 
Because we know who Anakin's going to be. I mean, think about right. what would have happened if he didn't save him. Yeah, if Anakin would have died, oh, no Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> but then, I mean, obviously, Dooku's really bad, too. Right, yeah. and But I guess, like, no Darth Vader, uh, no Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Oops, spoilers. Right. No. <laughs> uh, and then but. Uh, the last scene of the movie, two things happen. I know I've said like 3,000 times in this review that the Clone Wars happened, but this is when the Clone Wars actually happened. Yeah. Uh, as we see the boys uh, get into the uh, the Star Destroyers to start spreading across the galaxy to to fight the war. Uh, yeah. Pal- Palpatine looking upon the clone troopers in a really sinister sort of way, while this is juxtaposed by Anakin Padme, Padme getting wed on Naboo. Right. So... Um, That's the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, while um, Anakin is protecting uh, Padme, um, he, he has always, like, loved Padme, even when he was a little kid. And now, after some years have passed, and I'm not even sure how many years older Padme is than Anakin, um, but I guess... Somehow his love rubs off on her. They just are in such close proximity that they end up falling in love. And then, you know, the whole thing about, well, um, you know, can Jedis have a family? Are they supposed to be celibate? You know, what's in You know, is he like just going against all that? Well, that's probably why they had to do it in secret. I mean, what do you have? What do you think? Do you think that's anything comment on that? Why they had to go in secret? Or... Because yeah, the Jedi don't really like uh, for uh, their their people to have any sort of like major attachments to mm. as far as love and or, okay. which uh, it's kind of interesting because you know that the Jedi are good, but the the light through which this is shit, you kind of can't help but want to say basically, yeah, this is kind of wrong. Yeah. I mean, um, one of the things, I'm just going to kind of go through some of the quotes, but since we're talking about that, um, I don't know, Anakin says something like, um, you know, well, you know, uh, like, 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 um, like love, love isn't forbidden, like, you know, it's, it's attachment or, um, Let's see if I could. Uh, yeah, he says, Padme thought that love was forbidden to a Jedi, and Anakin clarifies, and he says, attachment is forbidden, possession is forbidden, compassion, what I, which I would define as unconditional love, is central to a Jedi's life. So you might say that we are encouraged to love. And then he says, you're exactly the way I remember you in my dreams. And I'm just like, uh, yuck. I don't know. It's just it's just weird. It's just like... You're pretty much I just mean, like Obi-Wan being in the movie throwing himself out the window. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, check the I'm out of here. So, um, well, but I mean, it, it, his, his, his logic, I, I just, I mean, I just don't get it. I don't see the connections that he's making. I mean... So, I okay, here's the my part of the... Uh, I mean, if he, if he if he loves, is he by then going to be attached to this person? And if he says attachment is forbidden, how can the two exist coincide? 
here's my part of the cast where I go on this kind of like weird neck beard sort of rant. Um, <laughs> I, okay, so unpopular opinion. I actually really like the idea of Anakin in here. Okay. That he's this young man who ha- doesn't really have control of his emotions like any other young uh, man. Yeah. But uh, the Jedi just totally neglect to teach him that these emotions are natural and how to deal with them. They just right. keep telling him, no, you shouldn't have these feelings. These are wrong. Right. Yeah. You know, they, uh, you know it's dogma. And this is a no. central theme throughout the trilogy that, yeah, the Jedi are just caught up, so caught up in their own beliefs that they become arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it means it just makes you think that, well, um, you know, the Jedi didn't quite think this out thoroughly themselves that well, cause they're not being very logical either. They're like, this is so, it must be this way, you know, and not to say that, you know, with some things like, like, okay, uh, stop sign means stop. Okay. Red light. You stop at the red light, but like, you know, but there's other things where it's like, well, um, you know, there needs to be some kind of middle ground or, you know, gray area or something. And it seems like the Jedi don't really have that. I don't know. I just, where it comes down for me is how George chose to direct the story and to direct Hayden Christensen, who played Anakin. I mm-hmm. talked about liking the idea of Anakin. It's just the dialogue he writes and how he. Choose, again, chooses to direct Hayden. Mm. It makes Anakin look like a creep. Yeah, right. And I mean, it's it's true because yeah, because he's like saying that you know, don't. She's Padme's always said, don't look at me that way, or why are you looking at me that way? It, it makes like, it kind of hard to sympathize with Anakin in that way when, yeah. like I said, if if you were to more show in a light of again, like I said, just like this young man dealing with his emotions, it would have been more sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, uh, something Anakin says in the movie is, well, Padme's talking about, um, she's given her duties in the Senate to Jar Jar Binks. Oh, Jar Jar Binks is in this movie, but guess what? He is not, I mean, he is in it a few minutes, but he doesn't have many speaking lines. It just seems like he's kind of, I mean, he does have a speaking line at near, I don't know, three, four, one in the movie where like he's giving his power or give, I don't know, I wanted the Senate's yeah, power the, to be given to, to, um, it's the you know, worst, it's the worst Jar Jar Banks moment. And like, <laughs> like the whole entire franchise. Yeah. So um, what it is that he does. Yeah. Emergency powers are pretty much martial law as far as mm. what the equivalent is in our real world. Yeah. Um, it, it gives him the power to uh, pretty much overlook certain laws in order to, uh, progress the state. Yeah. For the greater good. For right. Yeah. <laughs> And to be able to give democracy back when it counts, wink, wink. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Um, I mean, so he has some lines, but he has given us more ways to hate him. Why to hate him? You know, just like... Uh, I, I just, yeah, uh, I, I just really think this decision to have Jar Jar Binks be the one that finally uh, gave power of the whole entire system to uh, Palpatine in full capacity... That just what makes me really hate him. It's all his fault. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, oh man, Jar Jar, we hate you. Um, so um, well, go ahead. One more thing. Yeah, the scene immediately. I don't know if it's immediately preceding it because I don't know if it cut to something else. Like, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but um, sure. The last thing you see with him with Jar Jar is where they're all just 
sitting around uh, humming and hawing in the uh, chancellor's office. And it's either Palpatine or his assistant talking about how if only I had emergency powers, I could get the clone army uh, uh. made. And it's Palpatine himself that just like looks out the window and he goes, but there's no senator that's brave enough to give me emergency powers. Uh. He actually like, says that out loud. Uh. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it kills me every time. Yeah. It's like. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I wrote in my notes. You know, I don't know how somebody you know. could be that naive. <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you see any problem with the situation? Uh, no, I don't know what situation. It's just like all this definitely not goes out the power. window. Yeah, yeah, and then of course. You know, he says that, you know, I love democracy, Palpatine says. And I, love I love the Republic. <laughs> and I will give up my power once this crisis has abated. You know, it's finished. And then I will create a grand army of Republic. As all famous tyrants yeah. Said. yeah. So, and it's just like, oh, man. I haven't seen, so I haven't seen uh, Revenge of the Sith in a long time. Uh, so I'll be be very interested to see what happens because of this, you know, how he uses his emergency it all powers. Goes. There's, there's no galactic civil war in New Hope. That, that's a myth. Oh. It, it all goes happy. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> Yay! Palpatine was an honest man. Oh, yeah, so good. He's <laughs> as honest Abe. So, um, something that Anakin says in the movie, he says, uh, sometimes we must let go of our pride and do what is requested of us. Um, I guess talking about why Padme has to hide, uh, from, you know, being attacked, this would be assassin. Um, do you see of any, uh, I don't know, reason that, you know, uh, do you think that's a good way to, uh, a good, you know, to like, let go of one's pride is, I mean, do, do what's requested of us. I mean, like, well, we got pride and humility. I mean, you know, uh, where's that balance or when do we need to, you think? So, uh, how do you think that relates to this movie? Like, is it really giving up a pride to go into hiding? Yeah. So what I kind of think is that there's basically a difference between you know, doing the greater good, mm. you know, like actually like thinking that's the greater good mm. and then bootlicking, just following <laughs> orders because yeah. the higher up said so. Yeah. I th and yeah, I think Anakin genuinely does think that that's the greater good in that instance that okay. he, he wants to protect Padme. Okay. Um, what do you think of this? Uh, Padme says, all, the, all mentors have a way of seeing more of our faults than we would like. It's the only way we grow. I, I mean, is he trying? Because, like, Anakin's upset that, you know, no one no one takes him seriously or that he can't do, Anakin can't do what he wants to do. And that, and that how he talks about how almost like how much he, he almost hates Obi-Wan Kenobi because he won't let Obi-Wan Kenobi won't give him, you know, the time of day, it seems, or let him do what he wants to do. So... Um, so Ryan and I were talking about this before the podcast started, that mm -hmm. there is so much context to the prequels and that this is the movie where the story actually starts. Mm -hmm. Right. And there is so much that that isn't in Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones. 
particularly that, and you do see some of it in these two movies, but not to the full extent, mm-hmm. is that Padme, Padme, Palpatine. Palpatine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wrong P name. Padme's a true villain. Yeah. <laughs> I do it. I do it. Uh, Pal- Women are evil. No, just joking. Palpatine really highly fed into Anakin's in- own insecurities about his chosen one status. And uh, while also bolstering his ego about it. This mm. is why Anakin is really insistent upon having so much more respect throughout the movie. Mm. And we, of course, realize through the Jedi too that, yeah, Anakin does need to learn more. Obi-Wan is kind of right that he does need to do more to earn more respect. Yeah. Um... Although, since we're seeing this from Anakin's point of view, you can kind of sympathize, too, that, yeah, uh, basically, I, I think that to some extent, they still do kind of see him as child, no matter how hard he tries. Yeah, I mean, he's only, is he only like 16, or is he 18, or? He's a, he is an adult. He, okay. Adult. Okay. Um, so. He was, he was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's 18. 18 now, yeah. Because if he was 8 in the last movie, then yeah. yeah. 10 years, so. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting discussion between Padme and Anakin. Anakin says about talking about government, we need a system where the politicians sit down and discuss the problem, agree what's in the best interest of all the people, and then do it. And Padme says, the trouble is that people don't always agree. But Anakin says, well, then they should be made to. And Padme doesn't like the sound of that. She says, sounds an awful lot like a dictatorship to me. So this kind of differing of views of how government should be, I mean, um, is this this like an accurate description of what, uh, you know, a difference between democracy and dictatorship or? So two big things here. This is obviously the road to Darth Vader. Okay. I talked about this last time that Anakin has a really black and white worldview because of his slavery upbringing. Right. There's not a lot of room for gray when you're a slave. Yeah. So it, it is totally in character for him to want something streamlined like that where basically it's common good above everything else. Yeah. And that's what you see with the Empire. I, I, I okay. think that even before he was ever, even while he's still fully Anakin, I think to some extent the Empire actually did kind of appeal to him. Okay. Um, and that's why he was so good with uh, Palpatine and also Tarkin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but two, the other thing is that context matters. <laughs> yes. Obviously, I think that he, despite what he said about the Empire, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I obviously don't think that he would have liked what the Empire be- uh, is in the flesh in the original trilogy. But, yeah, just, as far as just, like, just in general, the idea of somebody just sitting down and not leaving the room until a, a good solution comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that, I think anybody would agree to that. Yeah, right. But just seeing as how, how it takes form as this, tyrannical empire that's the point when everybody would start saying well no i want this yeah (laughs) right um good good insight there um oh 
I have to mention this because it will make you all oh, just maybe gross out. But Padme and Anakin are getting friendly, and uh, Anakin he says, says, I don't like sand. Or, it's coarse and rough and irritating. Yeah, actually, it was, gets everywhere. Yeah, that was one of the ones I was hoping to get past one and not mention. But there it is. Yeah, there's that one too. And it's just like, oh, meme, sand meme. But Sam, yeah, uh, it's it's a god tier meme, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, there's another time when Anakin says, I'm haunted by the kiss you should never have, have given, given me. me, and I'm just like, Your kiss ah. is a star, yeah, <laughs> just like you know, Anakin, you're asking me to be rational, that is something I know I cannot do. And it's, this is this is what I was talking about before with I the idea and the execution. This is really where you see the idea of Anakin being this uh, unstable young man who doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's George Lucas writing the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, later in the movie, we uh, meet up with um, Owen Lars, who says that he is Anakin's stepbrother. And that kind of like, I was like, what, what, really? Um, and he, uh, I remember you commented on my notes saying yes and think about what happened to Owen and Hope. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we won't, you know, it's... Yeah, it's really dark. It's really dark. <laughs> so, but... Um, uh, oh, I guess um, there's a scene where Anakin's talking about that he should be Anakin thinks that he will he should be all powerful because he wants to fix all these wrongs and wants everything to be perfect and that he says that someday I will be I will be all powerful I will even learn to stop people from dying it's all be one's fault he's jealous he's holding me back and then he admits that he this is when he and then he says that he killed not just the the men but the women yeah. and the children and the children right cuz he was trying to rescue his mom um that was captured and then he, he finds his mom alive, but she dies soon afterwards. And he just goes into like this murderous rampage. And, and it's funny because there, there's a scene in, uh, you know, not to put the car before the horse, but there's a scene in revenge of the Sith where he, he kills a lot of Jedis. Mm -hmm. And this is just like, this is like the best, uh, the best scene in the movie. And it still infuriates me to this day that they did not let it play out. Uh, yeah. of him killing the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love the music uh, building up to it where you just see this like welling anger on his face looking down into the uh, mother's body. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, you know, the music is great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear like the, uh, the Tuscan Raider roaring noise and like he's like decapitates two of them right next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of decapitations uh, in this movie. Yeah, a lot of decapitations. And we're going very medieval. <laughs> yes. It's like uh no no questions, just just decapitate him. So no further questioning. And then when he said that uh he he killed them all, I uh couldn't stop thinking of uh uh Pennywise from it chapter one saying, Kill them all, you know, and kill all the kill all the kids and stuff. So we all float but, down here. Yeah, we all float down here, you know. So that's right. Um, and, oh, uh, 
Oh, and then I thought there was some funny dialogue between, uh, well, not that R2-D2 really talks, but um, the C-3PO, I thought he had some funny funny lines it's about... the classic banter that's always existed between them. It's it's just really great to see. Um, you know, C-3PO likes to think that he's in charge, and it's really like R2-D2 that says, nope, I'm not doing what you tell me to do. Uh, he kind of does his own thing. Uh, there's a scene where um, C-3PO's head gets put on a droid body and then later gets uh, R2-D2 takes C-3PO's head and like off the droid body and just drags it on the ground and C-3PO says, life is such a drag or something. And it's it's corny, but I thought so. It was funny. This droid factory part, I loved it when I was a kid, but watching it now, I think it's really dumb. The mm. the CGI overload, not to sound like a neckbeard, but um, yeah, that. no worries. And and this kind of bleeds over later into what Ryan was talking about with the uh, head dragging thing. The slapstick gets on my nerves. Oh, it does. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. And also, I mean, kids would like it. I guess young kids would like it, but and also like the R two D two randomly flying around the, the right. factory. Yeah, it just again makes me want to be Obi Wan fl- flying out the window. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we've talked about a lot about Anakin and his plot line with Padme concerning Naboo and Tatooine and Geonosis, but. There's also another plotline, the secondary one, concerning Obi-Wan uh, trying to track down Jango Fett and Count Dooku on Kamino. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, I mean, it's kind of interesting because I think that um, Obi-Wan is trying to find this this planet called Kamino. And it, at first, it, like he does some research and I think it, it comes up as being like a missing planet or something. Or is that before? So it's, I, really, I quite... it's really strange. Where there should be a planet where Camino is, it's missing, uh, signifying that somebody hijacked the system and removed the planet and all traces of it. Um, and then when Obi-Wan finally lands on this planet, he is told that that the Prime Minister has been expecting him and also that 200,000 units are ready for him. And he's like, he just plays along with it, but he has no idea what's going on, like what they're talking about. And he says, that's good news. And then the prime minister tells him, to, tells him to tell Master Sifo-Dyas, is that how you say his name, Sifo-Dyas? Yeah. That his order will be met on time. Uh, but Obi-Wan tells prime minister that Master Sifo-Dyas was killed almost 10 years ago. Um. And, but that apparently there's just been this clone army that has been created by the Prime Minister's people. Um, so, yeah. Obi-Wan finding this uh, this huge army that was apparently created by the Jedi that they didn't know about. That just, that they're just kind of handing them uh, readily. Yeah, it's really sus. Um, yeah. I mean, and I think it's even weirder that the Jedi just readily took it. Yeah, it's like they didn't. I mean, Obi Wan gets like um, he gets a tour of the of the area, and um, he runs into uh, Django and Boba Fett. 
Um, and, well, and uh, that's the other detail too, is that how really, really questionable and shady it is that the, cl the person that is being cloned for this army is this bounty hunter, Django Fett. Yeah. Um, which do you think that was kind of like, uh, a pride move on the part of Django Fett, like he, you know, made in my oh, image kind of thing. He wanted his legacy to live forever. So. Well, and uh, Boa Fett being uh, this unaltered clone, uh, Django, uh, besides the huge payment of credits that he gets for being cloned, that was his other stipulation was that he wanted an unaltered clone, Boba, to take as a son. This is definitely pride. Yeah. Um, and Django says that he's just says, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Um, okay. Uh, you have quite the ego. <laughs> um, but, um, and um, eventually Obi-Wan believes that Django Fett is the one who put the hit on Padme, or at least as you... Oh, well, at least that's what was my interpretation, but it's possible as well that Django just, Andy, Andy commented and told me that Django is the one who accepted the contract. Yeah, just like how pretty, pretty much any sort of hitman thing works in real uh, the real world. Obviously, an assassin doesn't just arbitrarily go and assassinate somebody and get yeah. money for it. They have to accept the contract for somebody. And right. obviously, the Jedi aren't interested in the person with the gun. They're interested in the man with the pen. Yeah. Um, there's also an awesome fight between Obi-Wan and Django. Where it's Shurukens um, Django. Yeah, it's a Shurukens Street Fighter. So, it was awesome. Um, but, uh, oh, um, but I mean, uh, and then, well, but then, then, does Django get away? Yeah, he does get away. Yeah, and Obi Wan throws oh, a right, tracking device onto the hull of the slave. Line. Right, because they're aren't they shooting at um, Obi Wan's ship or something? Django and Boba. Yeah, what uh, what he does? They so jump forward ahead a bit. Yeah, they flee from Camino to Geonosis and and the outer asteroid belt surrounding the planet. Obi Wan finds them there and decides to try to trace them. Immediately, uh, Django realizes that, yeah, from for how way, far away the planet is, they're they're obviously being tracked. So they need to throw him off the trail. Yeah, um, Obi Wan does. We might have mentioned this before, but Obi Wan does um, give a message uh, for Anakin, I, or just the Jedi Council. I forget, but saying that telling them, you know, what's going on, and then but he gets but in the in the message. Um, Obi-Wan is is getting attacked by a... Droidicus. Yeah, Droidicus, so... It is for the Jedi Council because both the Council and Obi-Wan had always intended for them to stay on Naboo the whole entire time. Like, even ta them going to Tatooine was against orders. Right. Um, which... A lot of the stuff is why I think Attack of the Clones is probably the second worst movie in the franchise. Only after Rise of Skywalker. Um, <laughs> because uh. it's full of these really stupid decisions like Padme, just, who this uh, has no Force powers or anything, decides, hey, let's go on this heavily uh, fortified enemy planet and try to rescue a Jedi. 
Right. <laughs> and we can totally see there's a scene where um, they're fighting the uh, these like insect bug-like creatures, which are called the, the what? Genotions. Genotions. Not to be confused with the Genotions from the X-Men world, but the Genotions. So... Uh, and, and 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 Padme, surely, I mean, she's just, it's by great luck that she doesn't get killed on this uh, conveyor belt. And, um, and author insert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, Anakin has her lightsaber until he, too, uh, loses it. And then I think it gets, like, destroyed, the lightsaber does. Like, his hand gets stuck by some kind of, like, pounding machinery mechanism thing it's like and then he says obi-wan's gonna kill me yeah he's obi-wan's gonna kill me because i broke another or lost one of these lightsabers again or something to go back um, to obi-wan's side of it though yeah when he gets captured uh yeah dooku is the first to talk to him and kind of gives him this fabricated story that he obi-wan was captured by mistake that dooku had no hand in this and um, kind of tries to uh, butter him up by saying, uh, if you join our side, I'm sure I can get you released really quickly. And then to you right. know, kind of further cement this relationship, yeah, Dooku says, there are se several senators under the control of a Darth Sidious. Right. Which is really weird though, because we know that he's, he's right. Right, yeah, it's like, I mean, because we've seen uh, Palpatine and you know, episode three, and of course, you know, four, five, six. Um, All these choices are really interesting, and yeah, I Dooku is evil, so I think that if Obi Wan were to have taken his word and joined them, I think the movie would have progressed the exact same way, had the same outcome. I think what Dooku and Sidious would have told him is to uh, go right back into the Jedi and play the same sort of part. Yeah. Um, a lot of interesting choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to comment briefly on so Anakin and Padme they they go to rescue um, Obi Wan, but then they kind of get captured, and they're in like a coliseum of sorts. They get put in a coliseum of sorts, and basically they unleash like the the bad guys uh, unleash these kind of like monster sort of alien creatures to uh attack and kill them um but uh i won't go into all the details but they they, they get themselves free both obi-wan and padme and anakin and then um but then a bunch the, then like the big the cavalry show up you know the jedi show up um there's i counted at least 12 jedi there were probably more way more okay so i was like I, i'm bad at counting i guess after 12 i'm lost they brought so. pretty much every jedi they had enlisted um and they they brought some jedi that even had some extra lightsabers for obi-wan and also anakin and a pistol for padme. oh and a pistol for padme so that you know weapon that she's really weird because i don't usually carry pistols but right it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah here you go uh, <laughs> lightsaber for you, lightsaber for you, pistol for you. So everybody yeah, gets a pistol. Get all the candy. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, piece of candy. So, um, and then oh, there's a scene where um, there's a Jedi that gets too close to Dooku. Yeah, and then, he yeah. he goes up like blocks three shots from Django, immediately just gets like 
juked by uh, Django, flings over the side. And yeah. then you see him like do this like classic cowboy like, gun twirl, and then sticks it back into the yeah uh, <laughs> into his holster yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, wow, that's so awesome. And then uh. he immediately undoes everything he just did by. Uh, dying in the lamest way possible two seconds later. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Nick Fury. Mace Windu. Which, so. um, yeah, another neckbeard rants, but um, <laughs> yeah, everybody talks about how Django just sat there and watched Mace uh, bull rush him and did nothing about him. He didn't know that his jetpack was broken by the weird rhino thing. Oh. If you watch closely, right when uh, Mace swings at his pistol, you see flames shoot out the bottom of his jetpack while it sparks at the same time. Oh, yeah. That's he was right. clearly going to fly into the air right when Mace got to him. Yeah. But yeah, he didn't know the jetpack was broken. Oh, man. It still that's, looks really lame. Yeah. It's like Boba gets killed, sort of. Doesn't Boba get killed, sort of, because of a failure with his jetpack? Yeah, because uh, Han rammed a uh, spike into his jetpack. Right, and then now we have his, you know, Kurt Thompson. Like father, like son. Yeah, father, like son. There it goes. It's like, these guys shouldn't be wearing jetpacks. Something else. Make the jetpacks out of titanium. I don't know. Something that can't be. Yeah, the adamantium. There you go. For some uh, Wolverine technology or vibranium or something. Um, and, um, and then right immediately after Django dies, they're surrounded by the droid army, and mm. uh, bada-beam, bada-boom, the, uh, the clones come. Yeah. Which is really uh, weird to think about how just how close Django would have been to seeing his clones in action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, they're when they're escaping, when the good guys are escaping, because the clone army came, I think... Uh, Somehow uh, Padme gets thrown off the jet. They were shot at. They shot causes okay. the ship to vibrate and she flies out with another clone. And Anakin wants to jump out after and be with her. And Anakin says, you know, I can't leave her. And Obi-Wan says, come to your senses. What do you think Padme would do in your position? And Anakin says, she would do her duty. The music and that plays during that part is so underrated. I love it. Probably in my top five. Uh, it's an actual. It's a redo of the uh, Star Wars uh, main theme, the main Force theme, uh, done in a more sinister sort of light. I love it. Yeah, it is awesome. I do enjoy it. You know, I mean, like I like sometimes where the um, certain lines kind of go back, like and eh, they just don't quite deliver. Um, the music is definitely one of the highest points, you know, kind of lifts the movie up. Um, and then, um, yeah, there's a, there's a duel between, it's duel with Dooku time, baby. It doesn't have the same sense of excitement as Darth Maul time, but. And he stupidly decides to charge Dooku as soon as he gets there. And immediately he just eats it and gets thrown against the wall. Yeah, it's like, dang. It always makes me laugh. Yeah, it's like, I could do this. I could take you on. And then he's like, mm -hmm. it's like, electric. Like, I don't know if he, does he, he electrocuted, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and even when it's Obi-Wan fighting Dooku, where he's learned from his mistakes with Darth Maul, where he knows to stand his ground this time. I love how Dooku is so confident in his own abilities, too. You can tell. 
this is just a total joke, Dooku. He's just toying with the uh, yeah. Obi Wan the whole entire time. Right yeah. before he slashes his arm, you see this like really weird, goofy, like big grin on his face. Oh. When he does it. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, when you, uh, when you, you see him looking at Obi Wan, telling, you can tell that he sees that Obi Wan straining the whole entire time. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then Obi Wan gets. What happens? He gets down for the count. So, he um, he get, he takes a slash at oh. his uh, his arm yeah. and inside of his leg. Okay, yeah. Um, but then somehow, like Anakin shakes off the ele- electricity bolt, and then now he has his own lightsaber and he has Obi Wan's lightsaber because Obi Wan, I think, throws it to him or something. And then Dooku just like taunts. I, I I thought you learned your medicine bolt. Right. <laughs> And it was real. I thought it was really cool to see Anakin dual wield, but it's like he's and just not. He just totally fails at like yeah. two seconds in. Yeah, it's like, oh man. Now, um, oh, and doesn't Anakin's? Oh, it's, his finger gets chopped off, right? His hand. His hand. What's well, it? Whole hand? Yeah, it's a whole hand. Okay, yeah. And then this so. proceeds into what I think is probably the worst fight in the whole entire series. Is uh, it's a really cool idea. I've always loved the idea of lightsaber fight in the dark oh uh, right yeah and we t- we kind of got that in empire strikes back where they're fighting in the uh, carbon freezing chamber yeah uh, but this is like more fully in the dark unfortunately they stupidly decide to do the whole entire fight in close-ups between count dooku and anakin so it just kind of yeah. looks like they're just flailing their arms and lightsabers around yeah yeah um and then, uh, so Anakin gets down again, down for the count. And the hand then, comes off. Yeah, the hand comes off, which is funny because, uh, what, Luke. uh, Luke's hand or, or Luke's arm. It's a parallel. Yeah, like his, his hand gets cut off and stuff. It's really weird. So, well, that's the whole parallel is it's the exact hand that, uh, Luke lost. The, this oh, one. oh, okay, the right one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Master Yoda shows up and, Man, he is awesome at jumping and wielding because he's so small. But he's just—I mean, he could—he was kicking butt. It, Back it, in the day when it released, it it got a lot of flack for seeing Yoda doing flippy doos in the air and crap. <laughs> I kind of bought into it once. Thought uh, I thought it was cool when it first came out, but then bought into it as a oh. snobby teenager. <laughs> and I'm kind of indifferent to it. I mean, yeah, that's the whole Jedi thing. If yeah, wants to do it too. Whatever, I don't like here anymore. Yeah, um, they have this kind of like uh, fight as far as like you know who can use the force the best um, to uh, uh, you know who can outforce the other one like throwing you know rocks or pedestals or whatever. But eventually, Dooku gets away because like I think you said before or where we were talking before we recorded, but. Um, he had a chance to. Yoda had a chance to either save the two Jedi or yeah, it's you know it's one of those sorts of choices where it's not even like the good choice or the bad choice, or it's the lesser of two evils choice because no matter what he does, he loses. Yeah. He chooses to save Anakin like he does. We get Darth Vader. Yeah, as a result. And then if thanks you, Yoda. And then if you don't, well, yeah, you sacrifice your own morals and yeah, uh, and yeah, you still have Dooku. Right, yeah. So and hell, hell he, like 
that's the other thing too is not only did you get Vader by saving Anakin, you still have Dooku. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and you still have Sidious too, and you still have Palpatine. <laughs> as a kid, I always wondered why he didn't. As soon as he pecked up the pillow, he didn't just like fling it really hard at. Oh the, right, at the solar ship. sailor. Yeah, that's what you're seeing in the comment. That was that would have been perfect. But uh, well, so. whatever. Don't think about it too hard, kids. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and we find out that uh, Dooku is also known as Lord Tyrannus. Tyrannus. Yeah. Tyrannus. So um, the real. Uh, as a kid, I always thought it was just the, the kind of cool thing of, oh, we, here was Darth's name, is because all the Sith Lords have the, some mm. sort of Darth name, like Sidious. Right. So, although, uh, it's one of those weird things because it's a prequel. You already know way more than most of the characters in there. So yeah. I overlooked the detail as a kid that, yeah, Django back on Camino had said it was a man named Tyrannus that hired him to be oh, the, uh, okay. the template for the clone army. So yeah. Saying, Oh yeah, that's like the really big bad detail is that yeah, yeah the enemy made the clone army. That's kind of really weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As far as what the implications of that are. Yeah. Um, and so Lord Tyrannus he greets Star Sidious. Um, we see Obi Wan talking to Mace Windu and Yoda and saying that Sidious is rumored to have control of the Senate. And Yoda says, "The shroud of the dark side has fallen. Begun the Clone War has." Um, and then, you know, there's the, the series, the Clone Wars that Andrew keep on recommending that I watch and I might have to start him over the head with yeah. the last several weeks. Yeah. So, uh, it's on Disney plus. So, um, this is the advertising sh- hour now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, go watch it. Stop whatever you're doing. Don't watch Loki. Watch, watch Clone Wars. I know. <laughs> uh, Loki just dropped today. <laughs> um, all right. And then we, we hear the Darth Vader theme song again as Senator Palpatine and company look on. Um, so that's always great. Um, kind of playing your hand there, you know, like. Yeah, the, uh, so. the alternate version of the Vader theme and seeing the uh, the troopers marching off the war like it's like it's not. Yeah, it's not. Uh, we also see Anakin and Padme secretly get married. And Anakin has become part Terminator because he's got a metal endoskeleton hand from a Cyberdyne Model 101. Uh, not really, but it, he has uh, a metal hand now. Uh, that's your... Uh... Well, and I don't think... I, I'm not entirely sure if George meant to do this or not, but I like the juxtaposition of uh, Love and War. Mm. Uh, seeing the, the boys marching off to Nam, uh, mm. contrasted by marriage. Mm. Yeah, it's, Love and War. Yeah, that's right. Because um, only witnesses to that marriage you know, were C-3PO and R2-D2. So... But um, that, for, for as much as I don't like this movie, it it ends on a really strong note. Yeah, it does um, you know? Uh, there were certain fight scenes that were great. Um, the thing about the whole the lines of romance between Anakin and Padme, I think, were a lot of horrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is definitely <laughs> a movie that uh, exemplifies ideas versus execution. You can have really good ideas, but as long as you don't, as long as you execute, you need to execute them. Yeah, yeah. And but that's also the thing, though. Too in reverse is that I I think I I don't want this to turn into the uh, Rise of Skywalker is horrible hour, but um, (laughs) that's why I give Attack of the Clones credit for is is these really interesting ideas. Yeah, I mean, 
there's a lot of you know things about like you know what is what is democracy is that the best form of government um also this really uh this really weird look at uh the jedi because yeah uh i talked about this in the phantom menace but think about the narrative we get from obi-wan and uh the original trilogy about these very noble warriors that sought to uh bring the peace although then when we see actually see who they are in the prequels they're very arrogant and self-serving yeah um it's really interesting to show us this version of the jedi that's very different from what a lot of people expected also i i like uh revenge of the sith shares this but the political thriller sort of route that they took oh as far as like how a lot of the story revolves around government yeah it does. Um, it was Winter Soldier before Winter Soldier came out. Mm, that's a good comparison there. Like, seriously. Um, and as much as it make, might make me sound really pretentious, I think the story was really ahead of its time that, that George Lucas told, decided to tell throughout the whole entire trilogy, not just Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Very ahead of its time. And I just don't think people were really re- ready for it. Yeah. Too bad, you know, if they would ever do a remake of the Star Wars series, um, I know that'd be a very daunting task, it probably would never happen. But if it did, it would be interesting to see how they would remake this one. You know, if they could just learn from the errors of the past and just correct some things. So, it's what the biggest fault with this one is how much control Lucas had that they gave him absolutely no restrictions. If you know about hope. Uh, Lucas had so many restrictions, and I think that's why it was so good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I really like it. It's, it'll be interesting to we can compare and contrast. This is how Anakin was like when he was eighteen. This is how Luke was like when he was eighteen. This is what they were, the ideologies they had, what they thought about certain things, and and um, I, I really like how, how they turned out. We'll talk about this more after Revenge of the Sith, but. I really like how cohesive, much of a cohesive unit the prequel trilogy is. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a trilogy that the sum of its parts are greater than the whole, however you say it. Right. The sum, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so. Because, yeah, I, I think that the, the first two parts of the prequel trilogy are particularly weak, but. Yeah. When you, uh, when all the ideas are pulled together, it makes for a really strong unit. Yeah. Well, that's very good. And, um,. Any final final thoughts? Um, would you recommend uh, watching this movie? I mean, are there good things from it? You know, enjoyment like said, factor or you know, lesson factor? What? Like I said, a lot of the ideas, and I appreciate its ability to really make me think. Um, you know, the fact that we had this really long conversation about the ideas and government and everything. Sure. I, I think it warrants it, but also. Especially if you if you haven't seen it already, go watch it. Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's classic. You want to be, you know, it's not not a waste of your time. I mean, I guess some people feel like any any movie is a waste of time, but no, I mean, you can really enjoy this movie. You know, enjoy enjoy the good things that are there. You know, cringe at those cringeworthy moments, but I think even, um, I think even the worst, I mean, I enjoyed watching this movie. Even so. the worst Star Wars movies have something yeah. to them. Yeah. Um, some lessons, some uh, interesting character development, uh, just just I, fun popcorn flick too. I really know. enjoyed the Obi Wan uh, 
plot line. I, I thought the noir elements were really cool. Like, the, the world design for Kamina was really cool. With like, the, oh, yeah. the storms and everything. Definitely, definitely. Like, I mean, I think that was really symbolic of what this story was as far as just the unknown. Right, yeah. The unknown planet, you know, all this intrigue, just you know. About, like, just how much they're fumbling around without answers. Yeah, right, right. And, I mean... This is the one thing that I will say this has over Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace has a really neat story, but I think it's ultimately unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And it's exemplified by them jumping forward 10 years. Right, right. A lot of what uh, Phantom Menace contributes to the story is honestly kind of footnotes that you could have meshed in as a prologue to the movie. You could have. Um, this is where the story really starts, so that's know. the probably the one really big reason to recommend this movie. And almost like, I mean, I'm glad they made a TV series called the um, you know, Clone Wars, but it would almost be nice if they had a just like, you know, taken off Phantom Menace, three-fourths of that, had, you know, a little bit of Phantom Menace, and then, you know, but it had, a, you know, of course, uh, uh, Attack of the Clones, but also have like a movie kind of summarizing the Clone yeah. Wars. I've always said this, is that my ideal prequels would be the first movie in the trilogy is Attack of the Clones with an abridged version of Phantom Menace in it. Yeah. And then uh, one of two things, you could either have the second movie be Revenge of the Sith, and then the third movie be some uh, Empire-era movie that yeah. really sets, even further sets, kind of like Rogue One, pretty much. Sure. sure. Or you could still have Revenge of the Sith be the third movie and have this the second one be a Clone Wars-centric movie. Yeah, definitely. Well... I think that's all the time we have today but just wanted to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us um talk like geeks about star wars you know one of those favorite things in the world um thank you so much for your time and um i'm going to probably do a solo project uh next podcast but then the podcast after that Probably going to do another one. We'll probably do Revenge of the Sith. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us. Um, And um, we'll do this again. Have a great day, everyone. Take care. And um, go watch some Star Wars. What are you doing? All right. Talk to you later. Bye.